I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD happening everybody what's going on i am your host rj carbone and you are listening to another episode of the podcast another episode of bd4 episode 209 of the podcast in this one brought to you by anchor go to anchor.fm if you want to start your own podcast free easy very convenient or you can download the anchor app um, happy, uh, well, happy Monday <laughs> as you're listening to this. Um, as I'm recording, it is late Sunday night, January 31st. Wow. We are already, we are already in February, man. Tell you what, this shit flies. We're already a month into the new year. I mean, seriously? February. About a month, it's going to be not even not even a month. Pitchers and catchers are going to start reporting in. Um, usually, it's it's ten days from now. I don't know what the deal is with COVID, but wow, we're almost there. We're almost in baseball mode. Uh, our last episode two hundred eight was obviously about the Yankees. Just giving a little bit of an update, but wow, we are almost there. It's crazy, man. Shit flies so fast. As you get older, it just, it, it, faster and faster, really does, it really does, it gets faster and faster. Not to say that's always a bad thing, but man, chill. <laughs> yeah, so, um, episode 208 was about the Yankees, we discussed a bunch there, so if you haven't checked that out, be sure to do that. Um, if you guys want to check out the podcast, you know, the blog, or if you haven't followed me on social media yet, you can find all that information on my website. Um, I, I created a link tree, so if you want to, if you want to go look on there, you know, link tree has all my information: where to find the podcast feeds, where to find me on social media, and where to read the blog as well. So go to linktr.ee/rjcarbone, and that will take you to, you know. The many links to find me at. But, yeah. It's crazy how far we are. Already into the new year. Um, I hope everybody's having a good year. You know, I feel like some people... Listen, I get it. COVID has been a nightmare for some people. Um, but I'm, my hope is that, you know, for people out there who are constantly having terrible years because you know, I always feel like everybody I talk to oh it's been such a shit year COVID or not every year over the years like everybody I know 2017 sucked hopefully 2018 is better 2018 sucked hopefully 2019 is better yada yada it's like some people just are, are very I, I, I never had a bad 
year. I, I've had ups and downs, but like I just hope that the people who have consistently had bad years turn around this year. I hope 2021 is is a hell of a lot better than it's ever been. Um, and I hope you know you're less hard on yourself. Maybe some of the reason that you're having these tough years is because you're very hard on yourself. I don't know. So my hope is that 2021 is better for everybody this year. But it is crazy how we're on February 1st. As you are listening to this, it will be February 1st. Um, all right. So I was listening to... Uh, the, so I was watching the game today, but I was listening to Clyde speak. <laughs> I know he does the whole rhyming thing. But there's this thing. I, I guess it's maybe some kind of accent from where he's from. I don't know. But he, he puts an R... I mean, I've noticed this for a while, but I just never said it. But it's gotten to a point where it's like, wow. It's really exaggerated. He he puts an R. Excuse me. At the end of everything he says. Like, he'll replace the A's with the R's. You know, they're not points. Or anything with an R, for that matter. They're not points. They're points. <laughs> he was trying to say Sergi Baca today. He goes Sergi Bacher. <laughs> I love it. I think it's hilarious, but I found that really funny and, and interesting. Um, I was like, wow, he really exaggerates that. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. Just something funny. I thought I'd just share. <laughs> okay. So you know what I I saw? I was scrolling on Facebook, or or was it Instagram? Maybe. You know, I, I allow myself a couple of, uh, you know, hours to, not hours, minutes out of my day to, to you know, scroll around and fuck around on Instagram. Because um, I'm trying to limit my time on social media this year. But, uh, you know, a couple minutes a day, um, uh, I'll scroll there and post a couple of stuff on my stories. And I don't know if it was Instagram or Facebook where I saw this meme it was true because I was like, wow, I do this sometimes, but like I try not to. Why do people say half a dozen? Like, why don't, like, it, that's what it said. It was like, why don't people just say six? <laughs> like, you're not smart. Stop saying half a dozen. Just say six. <laughs> it's like you're trying to sound extra. And that reminded me of something. Like, whenever I, and this always frustrated the hell out of me. Always did. Still does. But whenever I was a kid, I always, you know, whenever I'd ask my parents, Hey, Ma, what time are we leaving? Or what time does blah, blah, blah happen? Or what time is it? She'll go, she would go, you know, it's a quarter to ten, a quarter to five. <laughs> Fifteen to seven. Like, just say the time, man. Because as a kid, you don't know what that means. I didn't know that a quarter to three meant 2.45. I didn't know, you know, half past seven meant 7.30. I was, I hated that. Just say the time. Just say the time. Stop trying to sound sophisticated. So that's what that reminded me of. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm just going off the rails here, but. um, All right, so I don't want to go too long tonight. I know I say that and eventually... We always end up north of 40 minutes, which is good. This is a podcast. so. Um, but um, it is, it is storming 
with snow here there's a big snowstorm here right now so we're expected to get at least one foot um probably more so i don't want to go too long because i want to try and get this up before the internet starts getting wacky because i know it can be you know very off and on when there are storms so um i'm gonna try to get this in but yes the knicks had uh just finished up a brief two-game homestand where they took on the cleveland Cavs and beat them and then they played the Los Angeles Clippers um, this Sunday, this today, as I'm recording, and they lost there. So we're going to get to those games, talk about them both, uh, the Knicks split at home, and um, after we talk about them, we'll get into some specifics for a little bit, and then we'll wrap it up with the NYY, NYK question of the day later on, all right? So let's head to our first break, and then we'll get right into things. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. So we get to the Knicks-Cavs game. And, um, you know, the Knicks, really good defensive outing. They pick up the 102-81 to victory. Really good defensive victory for the Knicks there. They held the Cavs to, the that was the second lowest opponent points per game um, the Knicks allowed this season. Opponent points. So that was very impressive, you know. But offensively, the Knicks played well enough there, too. They, they got some really good performances from R.J. Barrett and, Rand, and Julius Randle in the starting lineup. Those two combined for 40. And they got some really good performances from the bench, um, specifically Emmanuel Quickly and Austin Rivers. Those two combined for 38. So some good performances offensively for the Knicks. And a really good defensive performance. Um, didn't start out great offensively. You know, the Knicks didn't get their first bucket until like the 8-minute mark. When R.J. Barrett connected on a 3-point shot. Uh, R.J. was really hitting some good shots in the first period. Uh, he was playing well. Rivers came in. He started hitting some shots and ended up scoring 7 points. 7 of his 13 total points came towards the end of that first quarter. So it was a pretty impressive run. You know, when he gets it going, he's not always going, Rivers. It's not often, as as a matter of fact. You know, so far with the Knicks, it hasn't been often where Austin Rivers has gotten it going. But when he does get it going, he's really good. Like he's really tough to to defend. The way he can create for himself off the dribble when he's going, it's tough. He hits some tough shots. You know, he's a he's a shot creator. And he was doing that. He was doing his thing towards the end of that first. And uh, it started with like a Randall feeding screen, you know, behind the back dish. Uh, sets a pick on, uh, I don't know who was on, but creates space. And Austin Rivers pops to three off the screen. And that really started his little run there. Um, second quarter came and it was RJ and Randall really starting to thrive. 
You know, Knicks go on a nine to nothing run to end the half. Uh, and all nine of those points were either scored or assisted on from RJ or Randall. Oh, I'm sorry, all nine of those points were scored from RJ or Randall. So they go to the break up forty seven to thirty three. Okay. Thirty three points at break at the break for, for Cleveland. Nick's doing a hell of a job. Second half comes, and that's kind of where Emmanuel quickly steals the show. Um, later in the third, you know, towards the end, it's his and one dunk over Jared Allen, where he stares him down afterwards. I loved that. That kind of propels the Knicks. And that was one of those moments where I really wish Madison Square Garden was full. Because, man, MSG would have loved that. That would have really just... There are a lot of times this season, you know, where MSG could just go crazy. So it sucks not to have fans. And I get maybe that could benefit in ways, but for the most part, man, New York Knicks basketball is all about having fans there. It sucked. It sucked. Um, it still sucks. But it was a really cool moment where we quickly just gets the M1 on, on Jared Allen, who I cannot stand. That haircut. He just looks like he smells. <laughs> he does. Um, quickly gets the M1. And to cap off the, the third, he follows up the M1, I think, on the following Knicks possession. Pulls up from like friggin' 28 feet. <laughs> and like, um, gets a four point play before the review because it was overturned. But, you know, gets the four point play at the time. And then goes and does the swim move on the floor, which, you know, just, just, all about Emmanuel quickly with how fun he is to watch. Again, MSG would have been rocking right there. So he gets that, and you know the three-point shot goes in. Um, plays reviewed, so he doesn't get the free throw. But nonetheless, Knicks enter the fourth quarter up seventy-two to fifty-five. So still killing it. In the fourth quarter, you know pretty much the Knicks just seal the deal. Emmanuel quickly stayed strong. You know. He, some good passing in there. He fed Noel a lob um, from the dunker spot. Um, and there was a... I think he had another... Actually, yeah, he did. He had another... This time, it was a real legitimate four-point play. So he, he was just... He was electric, and that's who he is. Um, whoops. Um, so he finished tonight... With a really good performance. He had 25 points in 25 minutes. Alfred Payton had 2 points in 23 minutes. So there's that. <laughs> I said in the blog the other day, we're going to start a counter. We're going we're gonna to start comparing them each um, recap in the blog. I don't want to jinx it, but oof. It ain't looking good for EP. <laughs> but it was a good win. It was a really good defensive win. Knicks held Cleveland the 35% from the floor. And under 31% from three-point shooting. So, you know, they, they did did their job. Garland and Sexton scored points. But uh, Sexton, once again, shot the ball poorly. Um, Just good performances. IQ, again, 25 points in 25 minutes. RJ Barrett, 20 fucking four points. Guys on fire. Randall, 16, 8, and 6. Uh, Rivers goes for 13 points on 6 for 11. Uh, Mitch... Didn't do much against Cleveland just because he was in foul trouble. And, you know, that was actually the first game of the year where Mitchell Robinson had five fouls. 
So, you know, that's a good thing that he's been staying out of trouble. Uh, but yeah, Drummond kind of attacked him. He got out, right out of the gate. Drummond was attacking him early, and, you know, Mitch picked up two early fouls, relegated to the bench, came back in, played well for a while, but finished the night with five fouls. Couldn't consistently stay on the floor, so. Um, still, the Nick, you know, the Nick Biggs, regardless, did a nice job holding Drummond to. Yeah, he had 15 rebounds, but he only had four points. So, so it was a good, it was a good victory over Cleveland to open up the homestand. Uh, to conclude the homestand, it was, you know, I don't want to say a good loss because there's never a good loss, but it was one of those games where you know you weren't upset about. It wasn't a loss that left you feeling deflated. Uh, the Knicks ended up losing to the Clippers by like 14 points, 115 to the Clippers' 129. But it was a much closer game than, than the scoreboard said. You know, it wasn't that bad of a game. For about three and a half, three and a half quarters, I would say. This game was really freaking close. Um, you know, I expected it to be the opposite, too. I didn't expect this game to be, you know... I'm sure the the over under was under 205. I have to think it was like 203 and a half, maybe less. But, but they ended up scoring. Let's see, 115 plus 129. That's 244 points. Wow! Imagine if you hit that. <laughs> you made bank from that. But I didn't. I didn't expect that. You know, you had two defensive teams who. You know, the Knicks still lead the league in defensive points per, uh, per game, and the Clippers, obviously, a top-four defensive team. Um, also, just, you know, they're a West Coast team traveling to the East to play a 1 o'clock game, so you expect them to be a bit sluggish, and the Knicks are never really great in day games as well on Sunday. So I didn't expect much, much offense, but here we were. We got a lot of it, and R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson coming out of the gate strong. You know, they scored the first 13 points for the Knicks, um, that's until Reggie Bullock chimes in, hits a three-pointer, follows that up with a floater. So everybody kind of gets it going in that starting lineup. EP, Alfred Payton even started doing some serviceable shit out there. Um, so really good start for the Knicks. Uh, their starting five was playing well. Second quarter comes, and Emmanuel quickly checks in, and what does he do? He starts percolating. He throws up those floaters, uh, hits a three-ball, starts getting to the line, just doing his shit. You know, uh, R.J. Barrett giving Kawhi Leonard a tough time in that first half. And the Knicks play really good. Uh, Clippers kind of go on a run, though, towards the end of the half. And, you know, they score seven consecutive points before Mitch throws one down to finish off the half. Um, so a little bit of a run there by by L.A. Puts them up 66-65. to You know, I think Patterson hit a pair of threes and then... Uh, Ebacher, as Clive would say, hits the uh, hits a free throw. So that you know, kind of put a little bit of a spoil to a really good start to the game for the Knicks. Nonetheless, though, sixty six sixty five, not bad for you know considering where you thought they would be. Uh, we get to the third quarter. It's kind of where the Clippers started, you know, swinging the momentum a little bit. Though you could feel the shift, um, you know, even more wide open three started going in, and the Knicks ended up. Getting outscored by 11. Uh, top of the fourth quarter. Down by 10 points. Emmanuel quickly goes on one of his binges again. And he ends up scoring. He goes on an 8 to nothing run by himself. Okay. He hits a 3. 
Uh, another possession he hits. He misses like a long two. Gets his own rebound in traffic. And then puts it back up and floats it in. Um, he hits another ridiculously long three-point shot. He pulls the Knicks within two points. Um, he then like takes a heat check three. I don't think Tom Thibodeau loved that very much because he didn't see the ball much after that, which was disappointing. But again, Kawhi Leonard was on him for a few uh, a few possessions towards the end there too, so I'm sure that had you know an impact in this and, and why he wasn't really um, featured late in the game. Um, but you know the Knicks end up running out of gas a bit and they they just. They have a tough time covering the three. The three ball was the big thing. The Clippers kept hitting shots, and the Knicks kept leaving them open. Um, I also, though, I, I still, like, RJ and Randall, I, I still think they should have been in the game longer. You know, I really, they that fourth quarter, they should have been in there before the eight-minute mark. I, they should have been... RJ only had 31 minutes tonight. I think he could have finished with at least six more. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, he, him and Randall didn't enter the game. RJ entered way too late in the fourth. Uh, Tibbs put him back in here with... Excuse me. 5.54 to go. By then, the Knicks were down 11. Randall was... Check, he checked in a bit earlier than that. 6.22, but they were still down nine points. You put them in a few minutes earlier when the Knicks are, you know, within two points after that quickly run right there. I think, you know, a little earlier the Knicks the Knicks would have had had something there had they been put into the game. And it, it just goes back to Tibbs's rotations, man. It's not. You can make a case that Robinson should have been there. Too. The starters. He waited too long to put the starters back in the game. You know, Mitch. Now Gibson was playing decent. You know, he was playing well on the boards and trying defensively, so I can't hate him on you know, I can't hate on that too much, but it was R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle who I really thought should have been in this game earlier. You should have put him back in way way earlier than he did in that fourth. Way earlier. He put him in too late. And that ultimately was a big reason they lost towards the end there. It's the rotation. with His rotations are so it's they're fixed. You know, the minutes distribution, the weird patterns of his substitutions, the, the friggin' He's, I think stubborn is probably the best word. Stubborn. You know, it's moments like tonight, uh, even the other night where RJ didn't play the entire fourth quarter. He was like, he was shooting fine. And, you know, Austin Rivers was playing in there for him. That was odd. You know. There was yesterday where Alfred Payton, or two nights ago, where Alfred Payton was out there, you know, in the first quarter, despite the Knicks having three points, like five minutes into the game. You know, there's just, it's a lot of um, stubborn shit. It's like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, and I hate to compare the Knicks to the Yankees because obviously they're two completely different organizations. But it reminds me of the Yankees and the way they go with their, you know, with their uh, bullpen. You know, where it's like a script. It's like you have a plan before the game starts and it's a fixed rotation. It's a fixed plan. 
right? We always seen Aaron Boone do this because the analytics say, stick with this guy, stick with this guy, do this. And he has that plan. It's like a 2K. It's like in 2K when you have that fixed rotation. It's you don't make adjustments and he's not making adjustments. He likes, he's so stubborn. Tom, but he sticks with these guys. It's really frustrating. It's, it's, don't want to hate on him too much. Again, I don't want to criticize a guy who's really turned this Knicks team around, but it's just one thing I, I can't get behind. But, you know, again, overall, a well-played game by the Knicks. You, they, they just have to defend the three ball better than what they did. Way way too many times. And they were sagging off. Just, just too much room on the perimeter. Way too much room. You can't sag off of a team this much when when they're shooting 41% on the year. They lead the league in three-point shooting. And they had 17 threes tonight or this afternoon, and they hit, <laughs> that was at a 45% clip, okay? Three of their starters had at least three three-pointers, and then Marcus Morris off the bench had three three-pointers. So four guys had three triples today. Just too, way too much space. I don't know why we were playing, that we were collapsing the paint. It was a very David Fisdale-esque scheme out there, um, which is why we gave up 129 points. You know, we didn't have a, a good defensive performance. It was bad. Kawhi Leonard wasn't, you know, he was doing his thing in the mid-range, getting to the free throw line. RJ took care of him in the first half. It was really impressive. You know, RJ's really strong. One thing I noticed, he's really strong. He's really strong. Kawhi usually overpowers his guys, but RJ was holding his own. He did pretty well. A grown man performance today by Barrett. To do that against an impressive player like Kawhi Leonard, a champion, a superstar. A top five player in the game. Very impressive. So Kawhi led with 28 points for the Clippers. Uh, doing so on 15 shots. Very efficient. IQ finished with 25 points again. This time in 27 minutes. There's less than a point a minute. Scrub. Um, RJ Barrett, 23 points on 9 of 14 I have. Uh, what else do I have here? Randall, 27, 12, and 5. Another ho-hum performance. 4 for 5 from 3-point distance. I mean, this guy, he's an all-star, right? He's playing like an all-star. He deserves to be in the all-star game. And you have to credit Tom Thibodeau. You know, all of last season, we were giving him so much junk, Right? But, you know, I did mention a couple times he either needs a point guard to help him become more efficient or a head coach. And he's got his head coach. Right? The chemistry between Quickly and Randall isn't very good. They're two guys who need the ball in their hands. But, you know, he's got his head coach in Tom Thibodeau who's turned him around. And it's not even in the way I thought. I mentioned this before in the pod. But, you know, I was hoping that Last year, I was hoping the Knicks, you know, were going to turn him into an off-ball player. Somebody who sets screens and rolls and does most of his damage without the ball in his hand until the final seconds. You know, taking no more than one or two dribbles and going right to the rim 
from the post. But he's actually not really playing differently in the fact that he's still running the point forward a lot, right? But he's just being smarter. It's the decision-making that's quicker. He's looking for his teammates a whole lot. He's keeping his head up when he's out there dribbling. There are no more of those, you know, spin moves into the triple team. He's playing smarter basketball. He's He's uh, sacrificing at times. And that's turned him into a winning player, an efficient basketball player. So he's got to make the all-star. I mean, how many guys are averaging 20, 10, and 5 this year? How many bigs are doing that? Uh, another game tonight where you know, we, we, we just reiterate that you know we would like to see Emmanuel quickly start. He needs to start. You know, let's just give it a try. Um, now, maybe, you know, Tom Thibodeau is thinking, you know, starting him will weaken the bench, you know, and he doesn't want to mess with the rhythm. You know, it's working right now. We're winning nine out of every 24 games at this rate, you know, but like, or what, 20, what, nine and 12? Twenty the uh, nine plus twelve. Okay, so twenty one. Um, so we're we twelve. Okay, we're playing good to our standards. So maybe he's thinking that he just doesn't want to mess with it. But like, dude, like like the the starting lineup, the backcourt in particular isn't that great either, man. It's not that great. So you're weakening the bench, but you're making your starters better. And I think that's what you have to focus on. You know? And I don't want to hear the whole thing. Quickly, he's in a point guard. You know, he's a shooting guard. Or is he a combo guard? You know, better off the ball. Who cares? You know? We're in a positionless nature right now of basketball. Just let the guy go out there and do what he's good at. And I, And he's good with the ball in his hands. He's good at shooting off the dribble, and those are two things that point guards do. So he's playing good point guard. And, you know, distrib distribution-wise, yeah, he's not like a playmaking machine, but he finds the guys when he needs to find... He's he's doing a really good job finding guys. And not to mention, Alfred Payton ain't no Rondo, okay? This guy's averaging a career low in assists. He's not been special this year as a playmaker either. Emmanuel quickly does modern things, He and he's younger. He has upside. It just makes sense. You have a guy who's a rookie of the year front-running candidate at the moment, averaging 12 and a half a night, second to Anthony Edwards, whose percentages are really bad, and he's on a losing team, playing six more minutes a night. You have Quickly on here, averaging almost 13 points in 19 minutes. He's shooting over 40% from the floor. He's shooting over 35% from three. He's found his niche in that floater. He's crafty, nifty, creative. Knows how to draw that veteran foul. Speaking of vets, man, this guy's getting praise. He's starting to he's starting to get some respect around the league, man. He is. You know, Damian Lillard the other night. Well, we saw the whole Lou Williams thing today. They had a moment during the game. Paul George after the game talking about him. 
think Tyron Lue said something how uh, quickly was like I think admiring Kawhi Leonard in pregame warm-ups, just watching him warm up or something. So people are starting to take notice of this kid, you know? They're starting to, to really take notice here. Um, in the last two games, he's, you know, again, 25 and 25. So 50 points on 55% shooting. Last two nights for quickly, 7 out of 16 from 3. So he's, it'll be good to see some consistency now because he's been up and down. But if he could show some consistency, you know, maybe Tibbs will finally start him. But it shouldn't have to be there, right? It shouldn't have to be that. It's just, again, the fact that he's a modernized guard. He does modern things. He has a ceiling as a 20-something-year-old. He's young. There's upside there. It just makes sense to see what you have, right? And here's one thing. Unlike a lot of Knicks fans, I'm not one to say this guy is the point guard of the future. He is our guy at point guard. Honestly, I think long-term, talking long-term, he's going to be a really good six-man off the bench. Some microwave type of scorer comes in, gives you that scoring punch, and really helps your team thrive that way. The energizer. But for now, right, while we don't have a credible starting point guard, why not just let him go out there and see what, we, see what he does? For now. At least get some answers this way. You know, if we're going to find a point guard somewhere else, you know, some other avenue, maybe via trade, you know, because we're not doing the whole tanking thing this year. Although, keep an eye on the Mavericks because they keep losing. And let's remember, we have their pick. So we are rooting against the Mavericks. We want them to friggin' tank. And I think right now they're in 13th in the West, which is huge. Um, but Emmanuel, quickly, again, I don't even think he's this all-star point guard of the future for us. I don't. I think he's going to be a really good six-man Lou Williams type of player. But for now, while we have Alfred Payton averaging, you know, 8-9 if he's lucky, 10 points a night out there, shooting below 30% from three, not giving you any kind of offensive production, on his best days, defensively, he's mediocre, Maybe slightly above that. Why not go quickly? Why not? Aren't we a rebuilding team? I mean, it's... it's. There's so many things that back this case up. And there are so little things, if there are anything at all. If there is anything at all, you know, to back Peyton. There's just nothing there. I just don't... I, I'm not trying to tell him how to do his job. I'm sure Tom Thibodeau has way more wits of the game than I do. He's a coach that has won games. I am a dumb 25-year-old loser doing a podcast from his basement that he calls a studio. Okay, I understand that. You Who know, <laughs> has two followers, two subscribers maybe. Uh, I get it. But I'm just giving you my take, all right? I'm just giving you my take. That's what this podcast is, and I think Emmanuel quickly needs to start. Just to get some answers. See what's up. See what you have in him as a starter. If it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, let him grow through it and learn. Go through these inconsistencies. I would rather sit through a rookie's learning experience of ups and downs than watch Alfred Payton be consistently mediocre and not get us anywhere. It's just counterproductive. At least you're getting answers either way with quickly starting. So that is my take there. <laughs> That's my take there. 
RJ Barrett has found a freaking rhythm, man. After tonight, the last 10 games, 20 points per game, over 50% shooting, 45% from three, and he's only taken three per night. That's what I love. And he's also 83% at the at the uh, free throw line, which I also like that because it's not too far from his norm on the season, which means he's been consistent from the line. But yeah, I like that he's playing to his strengths right now. I really do. You know, earlier in the season, R.J. Barrett wasn't really playing to his strengths, right? There were way too many games where he was forcing three-point looks. He had the 0 for 6 versus Philly. He had, obviously, that 0 for 8 on New Year's Eve versus Toronto. He had two 0 for 5s during that four-game stretch where he couldn't find the bottom of the ocean, you know, earlier this month. So there were some really bad three-point performances where he was just forcing bad looks. But lately, limiting himself tonight, he didn't he he only shot he only shot one three earlier today. But he was nine for fourteen. Because he's playing to his strengths. He's playing inside the arc. He's running in transition. He's playing the post. He's doing his little bulldozing thing on the drive. Using his strength and his craft to get to the rim and finish. Hitting the free throws. And he's shooting those open threes in rhythm when he needs to. He's not forcing anything. He's, you know, rebounding fine. Playmaking's been fine. The defense has been improving on the other end. I love what I'm seeing from R.J. Barrett. I do. And overall on the season, you know, you look at his overall percentages and numbers, he's averaging 18 points, 7 rebounds, and almost 3.5 assists. So... Pretty damn good for a 20-year-old kid. Pretty damn good. 43% from the field. Finally a respectable number. Love that. I love that a lot. It's got it up to respectability. 75% at the line. And 28% from three may not look like much, but you know he, he bottomed out at like 18%. Remember, during that really rough stretch. So that's uh, everything's up. Everything looking... It's all looking good right now for RJ. Love the way he's playing. Hope the Knicks keep, keep, keep beating him and playing him the way they are right now. Um, Mish keeps playing well. I, I still would like for him to get more looks, right? Get more lobs and more attempts at the rim. I'm just... I'm worried because it's not consistent. We don't see him get fed consistently. It's like a lot of Knicks I would like to see get featured better, you know. Mitch could be a guy who can give you 12 to 15 a night if the Knicks simply threw him more lobs. Um, You know, it's easier said than done. But I feel like you throw quickly in there at the point guard spot. You have Burks at the two to space out the floor. And you continue going RJ, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. You let Randall do his thing in the mid-range. You let Robinson rim run. And then RJ's on the wing. And you go pick and roll with Quickly and RJ. And uh, Quickly and uh, Mitch. Although RJ and Mitch are really good in the pick and roll game as well. They're excellent there. I just want to see the Knicks get him involved more. Get him more looks at the rim. You know, he's a guy who hits 70% of the shots he takes down there. So you throw him enough lobs and I think he's going to give you a dozen points. Um, a double dozen. <laughs> 12 to 15 points a night. 
I know he doesn't have much. Of, uh, it would also help if he had some kind of offensive arsenal to create for himself. I get that. But I still feel like the Knicks can do more, too. You know. I'd like to see him start rebounding more. That's inconsistent. He's not strong enough to where he's not really a great rebounder yet. I just don't want him to turn into this, like, guy who doesn't put up numbers. I want to see some kind of numbers there. And we're seeing steady improvement in certain areas. Obviously, the defense has been remarkable. Not worried about the block shots being down because the fouls are down. He's being smarter. I just want to see some more offense and more, uh, more rebounding all in all. But I like his improvement this year. His development has went well so far. Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox are kind of in a weird spot right now. It's really weird. You know, they're not getting many minutes. Knox had his first DNP CD of the season tonight. He only had eight minutes the other night in a blowout. Uh, the Knicks need to be playing these guys. You drafted Obi at number eight. Again, this is going to be very tricky. Very, very interested. I am very interested to see what we do with Obi Toppin. Eventually, they're going to have to make a decision. You know, it's really weird. You know, because when they drafted Toppin, I don't think the Knicks had in mind. Maybe they did that Julius Randle was going to go off and be an All Star this year. But he is, and he's looking like a part. Of, I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's looking like a part of this core. I actually don't believe the Knicks are going to look to trade Randall this season. If anything, they're going to wait to the summer to weigh their options and see what to do. You know, see what they have to do. But right now, it's it's looking like Randall's going to be getting the minutes, and Obi's development is going to have to be stalled at the moment. I don't love that. I really don't. And it all depends on what we look like at the deadline, which isn't too far from now. You know, say if we're if we're losing a lot of games. Again, I I still don't think they're going to trade him this season, so I don't even want to get into that whole spiel. But yeah, while he's here, while Obi Toppin is playing, or I'm sorry, while while Julius Randle is playing really well, Obi Toppin is is just he's been relegated to this bench role where he gets you know ten minutes a night, and that's not really good for his developmental process, but. What's worse is I don't love the way the Knicks are playing him. I feel like they should play him more in the short corner, roll him more, you know, so he can throw down lobs. He's really good on the open floor. A lot of times he's just hovering outside the three-point arc, and he continues to play that way. There are really good flashes where I see from him where he shows that potential. But right now, for the most part, I'd say 80% of the time he's on the floor, he's just playing that floor-spacing role. Kevin Knox, speaking of a floor spacing role, you know, at least he looked decent earlier this year, right? Shooting threes in the corners, having some really good performances. But now he's just disappeared. He's not impacting the team anymore. Last couple nights he hasn't even been playing. I don't know. Just keep an eye on those two. See what happens with them. I know DSJ asked to go down to Westchester in the bubble. I don't know where the bubble is, but... He has to go play for the Westchester Knicks in the bubble because he's not getting any run. So I'm, I'm going to keep an eye. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox. Not saying either of them are going to ask to go down there or be sent down there, but I am just saying maybe we'll hear something 
about something. I don't know what that means, but just saying, keep an eye on Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox because it's hard to find a role right now when so many other guys are playing well and those two kind of aren't really doing much. So, um, by the way, we were speaking about the Mavs tanking this year, playing really bad. Shout out to them. Because if you think about it, trading Chris Stapps, oh, told myself I'd never mention his name again. Trading that thing to Dallas, you know, it opened up that cap space. And that cap space allowed the Knicks to, well, to one, it allowed them to get Marcus Morris, who the Knicks eventually flipped for what was eventually the Emmanuel Quickly pick. And it allowed them the cap space to sign Julius Randle, who's playing out of his mind this year. So thank you, Chris Stops, for being miserable and allowing us to get two really good players in return. We are bum ass. <laughs> so there you go, the Knicks will trade. <laughs> we still have some of their picks in the future too, not just this upcoming one. But um, I think we have two of them. And then they have DSJ, who's in the G League. <laughs> Credit to the Mavs. But yeah, I hope they keep losing, because that'd be huge for us. You know, Imagine that, we get a high pick despite playing good basketball this year. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh, man. But yeah, you like the you like where the Knicks are. Listen, 9 and 12 is nothing to, to jump off, you know, jump at. It's nothing to, that jumps off the page and whatever, but you want to credit Tom Thibodeau first and foremost. He has them playing hard. And his coaching staff. The coaching staff he has is really good. Um, happy Mike Woodson's back, but obviously Kenny Payne, that Kentucky connection. He's got the guys playing really well. This coaching staff, the, the, the Knicks really, they made a great investment on these guys. And they are getting the Knicks to not only play well on the court, but there seems to be some, some really good, strong camaraderie here. You know, but yeah, it's definitely led by Tom Thibodeau. Doing a really good job. You know, I had some questions. You know, and quite frankly, I still do. You know, we're not done yet. This is only a little bit over a quarter of the way through. But he's looking like a much better coach than David Fisdale was. That's for sure. By the way, how funny is that? Remember the Knicks fired David Fisdale? Everybody and their mothers. Not, you know, everybody outside of the New York Knicks organization and fan base was like, Throwing that word scapegoat out there. Do you remember that? Scapegoat, scapegoat. He was a puppet. He was just there to be the fall guy. <laughs> Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Eric Spolstra. All those big name coaches just giving the Knicks shit. Shit talk in New York. For canning David Fisdale. Everybody's friend, everybody's buddy David Fisdale. How awful are the Knicks. This is why people hate the Knicks. This is why people laugh at the Knicks. But if you actually paid attention to the Knicks last year and you saw the games, you'd realize, oh, look, they were right all along. He was a terrible coach. <laughs> and so far, it's looking like, even with Mike Miller, who wasn't even that great, even Mike Miller showed you that David Fizdale was awful. Because Miller at least had them playing decent, too. Tom Thibodeau is making Mike Miller look like dog shit, and he's making David Fisdale look like whatever worse than whatever's worse than dog shit. Can't find it. Uh, 
know, maybe something that's worse, more putrid than dog shit. But that's what Tim, uh, Tom Thibodeau is really making David Fisdale look like. Those two guys are making Tom Thibs. They make him look like friggin' Red Holtzman. <laughs> He's really doing a good job. He's doing a great job. Um, again, I have my questions. His rotations are very, very frustrating. Too stubborn. The point guard situation has got to be resolved soon. Got to get Peyton out of there. I would love for Mitch to get fed more. I think Obi and Knox need a bigger role. All these things. I have a lot of questions. A lot of you know things I would like to see addressed. But at the end of the day, the Knicks are nine and twelve uh, with a tough schedule so far. They are nine and twelve. They have the number one defense in the league. R.J. Barrett is improving. He looks like he's going to be an all-star in his third year. That's what Walt said today, Clyde Frazier. Um, he's looking really good. You could see the significant improvement in RJ. Mitchell Robinson, you could see the improvement there defensively at least. Julius Randle has turned in from, you know, went from an empty stat patter, empty production stat patter type of guy to a winning, efficient basketball player. So, you know, Emmanuel quickly is being developed off the bench right now, but I think eventually he'll do the right thing. Um, and so the Knicks are playing good, and you have to credit Tom Thibodeau for that. So you can't criticize him too much when you look at the overall picture here. You know, anybody would be satisfied. Not only are we winning games, but more importantly, we are winning games by giving the youth the bulk of the freedom. Um, so yeah, so, you know, let things play out. I don't want to jump too far ahead, you know. Talking about these trade scenarios, are they going to go get Lonzo Ball, Derrick Rose, or is Alec Burks going to be the new Marcus Morris, and we're going to flip him? Is Julius Randle going to be traded still? You know, I'm not trying to look that far ahead. I'm just going to play it out, ear, you know, play it by ear, go day by day here, and just enjoy the ride. You know, hopefully we can start picking up some wins and get back to 500. That would be huge. Um, I know the month of February is a really easy schedule. I looked at the schedule. I don't want to jinx myself, knock on wood, but if we continue to do what we've been doing and play the way we've been playing, the future looks bright for, for this month at least. So let's keep winning. Um, and it starts tomorrow. we got the Chicago Bulls who, you know, Levine, another one who has been in trade talks. Um, so let's, let's go beat the Bulls. We are in Chicago. Um, but, um, go Knicks, man. Hopefully they can go take them down and we can, you know, get back on the win track here. So, guys, that's all I have. That's all I have for episode 209 of the podcast of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Let's uh, let's head to the NYYMYK question of the day right after this break. All right, so in episode 208, last time out, uh, obviously being a Yankees episode, I asked you guys, who was the only Yankee to hit a Grand Slam in his team debut? 
And the answer to that question, who was the only Yankee to Grand Slam in his team debut? Hideki Matsui. Duh. Tonight's NYY, NYK question of the day for episode 209, brought to you by Anchor. The best way to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app, is straight up asking you, which Nick won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award? Okay, so speaking of how great quickly has been, which Nick has won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award? Or, I'm sorry, which Nick won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award in 1995-96? Okay, so in the 1995-96 season, which Nick won the Sixth Man of the Year award? It was the Nick that a lot of people adored, a lot of people loved. Um, but yes, it was a Nick who won the Sixth Man that year, but which Nick was it in the 96 season? All right, so that's the uh, that's the question. That is our NYY NYK question of the day for episode 209. Um, so message me the answer either on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or comment the answer on one of those platforms once I publish the podcast. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. And um, that's it. That's all we've got for episode 209 of the pod. That's it for BD4. I am your host. RJ Carbone. And um, I'll see you in two games. But if you follow the blog, I will see you in the recap tomorrow night or tonight, probably as you're listening to this on a Monday. So thank you guys so much. <laughs> Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone, and I'm signing out. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.